I mean, we are a small and population church, but there's no such thing as a small church in the impact for the kingdom that we have. Amen? So um, the, the things that we do as a church, the things that we, we lift up in this service, we don't do them lightly. Columbia School, we don't do that lightly. We're touching somebody's eternity. When we pray over these things, it's like, I, I just heard this this last week. Um, when we pray over um, our meal, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, praying over your meal, talking with a friend about this, and, and you're, you're praying the infusion of the kingdom into what we eat. That seems pretty important, doesn't it? It's been rattling in my head. It's like, you know, it, you know thank you, Lord, for our food. Amen. You know, it, it doesn't seem like that much, but what we pray for, we're unleashing heaven on earth, right? So if we're praying for Special Olympics and ways that we can help with that or Columbia School or Grace House or Lighthouse or any of the other ministries that we, we, we care about. And we, we, are, we are praying for heaven to be manifest, the kingdom to be manifest in those ministries in town with the Gideons. We're, they're, they're putting Bibles in hotel rooms that they will not be there to explain anything to someone, but the Holy Spirit is there because people have prayed over those Bibles and, and where those Bibles will sit, right? Can I get an amen in this house? Yeah. This morning I, I, I was driving in. I, I, I drove in separate. Usually I drive in with the, the gaggle of kids. Um, and... <laughs> Um, I was driving in, and I, you know, south end of town where the, the, the train yard is? You driven past there before? Well, I drove past there, and this is the most random thing, and it has nothing to do, well, sort of, um, with my sermon. But I, I was driving along, and, and I look over, and they've gone through, and they've shoveled, you know, plowed through this area that's just mostly dirt with, with rails on it, right? But they have these little drive areas where they have the cars tend to go. And it, so it was even more than what I'd normally see where they would go, right? So you see little piles around where the road is. I'm trying to give you that image because I remembered. I had this, this, this memory as, as a kid. I, I used to love um, Hot Wheels cars. I collected them. Um, I think my mom still has a box of them somewhere. Um, I started collecting them specifically from this, this uh, factory in England that they closed down and they were, they were collectible. Anyway, but I really loved the cars and I loved other people having the cars. I even at one point um, had some kids come over to steal my cars, but I just gave them to them because um, I, th- I wanted them to enjoy it as well. And, but I always loved this, this idea of sitting out in the dirt and, and I, don't, I don't know if kids do this these days because there's so much technology now. You can probably do this on a tablet or something. But sitting out in the dirt with like a little shovel or a couple sticks and something to, some little straight edge thing that you can just kind of make roads with. You get in the picture here? Like you, you kind of go through and the, and the dirt would kind of pile on either side of these roads that you'd make. You'd dig little holes to be like a garage for a car to go in. And you'd just like tear up the yard doing this. Um, thankfully, I grew up in rentals, and it wasn't really hard. <laughs> Thank, yeah, <laughs> anyway, um, but I remember this, I just this vivid image driving in this morning, and, and I felt the Lord going, pay attention to this. It's going to have a point. It really is, I hope. Um, 
But it's interesting the mark we leave when we believe. We're going to talk about faith this morning. We're going to talk about believe. Um, It's interesting because when we make a mark on this world, um, as some that we, we know, that leave too early. Um, it's just a vapor, this life. It's here and then gone. But there's a mark that we leave, not just on this world. There's a mark that we leave on the kingdom, on the eternity. If we're following after the Lord, if we believe, if we are speaking the things that we are believing into other people, even if that's sitting in in your room praying for family or praying for a friend, you're speaking it into being. That we tell our daughter not to say things, like she'll, she'll say something about herself, like, oh, I don't like myself, or I don't. And we're like, don't say that. Don't speak that into the universe. Because the things that we say matter. The things that we say will bring down heaven. Unfortunately, they can also bring hell. They can bring good and bad. When you speak that into somebody else, you know, parents... Your role, grandparents, your role is so important in kids' lives because if you speak bad things into your kids, bad things will come out. If you speak good things into them, even when they have bad behavior, if you speak the good into them, good will come out. It may take a while. <laughs> That's why they're being trained, right? Training and equipping those those children's. You know that we are made to believe, right? We are created with this capacity for belief. And we were created for faith. Or maybe faith was made for us. Maybe, maybe it's, I, I don't know. We were created for faith or faith. Maybe both were created for one another. But either way, faith is a gift. I found a few thoughts this week about faith. Um, Listen to these. These are some some quotes from some people. Um, Keep faith. The most amazing things in life tend to happen right at the moment. You're about to give up hope. Your faith can move mountains and your doubt can create them. You know, that, that mustard seed, the faith is a mustard seed that can move mountains. Sometimes you're moving a mountain you already created out of the way. Keep faith. The most amazing things in life tend to happen right at the moment you're about to give up hope. Faith. It does not make things easy. It only makes them possible. All things are possible, right? Through him. Faith is taking the first step even though you don't see the whole staircase. I love this one. Fear looks, faith jumps. Yeah. 
So we're still going through John. We're still in the Light the Dark series. And the title this morning is Believe. Have you ever noticed um, that there, where, where belief matters the most is in the present tense? Not in the past. And not necessarily in the future. Yes, you may be believing for something, but that's still in the present tense. We are to believe, not that we are going to, uh, going to believe in something. We're not going to believe in, in, in Jesus. We are believing in the process of believing in what he has said. We're not going to believe or that we have believed at one point, but right here and right now we are believing. Present tense. We are to believe in the moment, during life, in the midst of troubles and trials and everything, the messiness of life, we are to believe. This is the essence of being and becoming. It's present tense, right now, right here. We're given a moment by moment, breath by breath, being, believing, becoming. I'm sure, um, I, I sure don't want to have been with the Lord unless I am in a current state of being with the Lord. Does that make sense? Because if you have been with the Lord and you're not being with the Lord, I don't want it to be that I, I will be with Jesus unless I recognize that he is with me even now. You've heard people say, you know, I got a lot of life left. I'll, I'll, just get, you know, I'll just do that on my deathbed. Sometimes you don't get a deathbed. Sometimes it can be blink of an eye, like a thief in the night. Is that what it says? Being and believing are in a constant state of present. Now, not later. Now, not what has happened before. Well, unless it factors into my current state of faith. Because I did believe at one point. But that just speaks to where I'm at now. Right? Hopefully. Starting place. The place I'm at in the race now. This is what we see in, um, in this, this section. We're, we're in John 4. A little later in John 4, um, almost to John 5, uh, John 4, 46, um, it, it, there's this official that has an ill son, um, and, and he's very present in belief. And I just want to go into this. He says, so he came again um, to Canaan, uh, Cana in Galilee. This is where he, he changed water into wine, the, the first miracle. We're about to see the second one. Um, where he had made the water into wine. And at Capernaum, uh, there was an official whose son was ill. I think it interesting that it, it's recorded this man is an official. Um, other versions will say something else. It, it, it's a, it, somebody that's, that's in a um, courtly state, um, a man of authority. Um, this father was desperate. You have to understand, this father was, he, he was a man of influence, and he goes to a carpenter from Nazareth. Now, 
The first point is our social standing matters nothing in our belief. Our social status, our, our standing in anything really, does not matter in our belief. We have all the potential for, uh, um, for level standing ground with God, right? You've heard of it, it's level ground at the cross. Well, I mean, I, I don't know if physically it was level ground, but that, that whole idea that we come to, the, to Jesus and everybody's at the same level. Presidents, kings, paupers, everybody in between. If you're ill or you're not ill, it does not matter. We have that potential for level standing ground with God. And that potential really is not for level standing ground. It's probably for level bowing and kneeling ground. Um, Jesus gave us this opportunity with his lifeblood. He paid a price that we could not. He poured it out on the ground, and, and we have the opportunity to take up this grace with our belief and with our faith in him right now. This official was most likely connected with King Herod's court, is um, what uh, some of the, um, the theologians have said, some of the historians have said, it, it most likely connected with King Herod's court, um, and he was um, seeking help from a carpenter from Nazareth. And, and we've heard it before, was, was there any good exports from Nazareth? I mean, we've heard it said, there, nothing good comes from Nazareth. That's written in the Bible. How would it feel to be in a town that nothing good comes from Nazareth? It's written in the Bible. I mean, you just feel like, man, our, our basketball teams aren't going to be good because nothing good comes from, you know, we're not, we're not going to have anything we can export to other towns. With I'm, I'm, I'm just being a little tongue-in-cheek. No good furniture. <laughs> Gary. You got to watch what I repeat with Gary. Um, I always thought it would be funny. Funny. I, I, I would love to see a piece of furniture from Jesus. He was a carpenter, right? Can you imagine that? Maybe in heaven we'll get to see, like, he'll have some, maybe, maybe like our, our dining room set in the mansion that he's gone to prepare for us is something he handcrafted. That's the randomness of Jeremy. Okay. That is not in scripture anywhere. <laughs> but in John uh, 4, 47 through 48, it goes on to say, when this man heard that Jesus had come to Judea, to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, unless you, you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Got this grieving dad. What a thing to say, right? <laughs> Ouch, Jesus. This, this man is desperate for a miracle and he basically has chucked his entire credibility for his son. Anybody, anybody do that for your kids? You just chuck it all? I know I would. He would check his, cred, he would check his cred, credibility for his son and and all Jesus has to say for him is unless you see signs. And, I mean, it feels like one of those harsh statements that Jesus says. But, but the thing is, is I, don't, I don't really think that he's saying this for the man. I think he's saying this. It's more for the benefit of those that are listening. 
It's more for those around that, that that's why they're gathered and following Jesus is to see what miracle he's going to do next. This man was on a mission. He was on a, a mission for his son, and, and he was not going to be deterred. And our second point is this. Our need for Jesus will outweigh our need for wonders. We will see signs and wonders. It says it in Acts. It talks about how as we get closer and as we, we become that church of the, the Acts 242 church, there will be many signs and wonders. But our need for those signs and wonders will become less and less. Our need for Jesus is what will outweigh it all. You see, the official just continues as if Jesus hadn't said anything. That's why you can tell he's on a mission. He goes on to say, the official said to him, sir, this is in 49 through 54, sir, come down before my child dies. He didn't even skip a beat. I don't care about the signs and wonders. I need you. And Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. He's come a long way to this, right? And, and, and he's like, he said he'll live. I'm, I'm out of here. Thank you, Jesus. I'm out. Right? I, I mean, I, wouldn't you want to be like, um, okay, you're going to be here. I'll, I'll be back just in case. He had given his son over to Jesus and said, I, I need you to come. That's all he could see was if you come, he'll, he'll be okay. But he says, go, your son will live. And he's like, that's all I needed to hear. I'm out. Go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going, his servants met him. And I'm sure that they were not just coming up and going, hey, boss, how do you think they were coming to him? They were looking for him. They're like, you got to hear this. And they're probably telling people along the way. And they're like, hey, there's the boss. Come on, let's go. And his servants come and they say, I got away from my notes here. Um, so he, um, they said his son was recovering. And so he asked them, what hour when he began to get better? What was the hour when he began to get better? And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. Can you tell how long it took him to get home? It wasn't just a little ways. He believed him. He's going home going, my son's okay. My son's going to live. And he gets there and he gets confirmation of it. That's not the first thing of him going, yeah. He was already just like probably skipping along going, I'm going to go home. We're going to go fishing. I'm going to go hang out with my son or whatever officials do with their sons. Um, and he knew that that was the hour that Jesus said, uh, had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed and all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. So it wasn't just him. It was his household. So they're all joyful because he, he's, 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 doing well, he was close to death, now he's doing great, and then they get more information, and his whole household believes. And a household in those days, for an official, I mean, you got to think, uh, how many people you, would you, there probably be in a household for an official for King Herod? It's not like five. 
There's probably a hundred or so that's involved with this household. His entire household believed. This man's faith led him to Jesus. He, he braved the crowds. He got in front of the crowds. He braved losing face. And, and he cries out to Jesus to come before his son dies because he believed that Jesus could do something about it. And Jesus did do something about it, didn't he? He impacted this man and this entire family and this entire household's eternity by just saying a few words and having a miracle. <laughs> Go, your son will live. Yeah. So that's a, you know, was it 20... Gary, 20 plus miles, maybe for a day, for somebody that traveled by foot. Well, and he's an official, so he may have been traveling by a horse or something. Yeah, so a day. Yeah. Thank you. I love that Jesus has this tendency to do what isn't expected. Do you see that? I mean, in, in Scripture, when we read what Jesus does, he does the unexpected. How many different ways does he heal the blind? He doesn't do it the same way because he didn't want us to have a formula. Faith is not about formula. Faith is about faith. He does the unexpected in healing this official son. Do you think that this official was happy that Jesus was, was not coming with him? I don't know. Yet he finds what, that Jesus did something, did do something. He did. He found out that Jesus did something in this. His faith was, was bolstered even more, and he believed. The third point is our, our belief can shape how Jesus responds. Our belief can shape how Jesus responds. Do you believe that? Okay, I got John here. Thank you, sir. Do you believe that what we, what we ask, when we believe, it can shape what Jesus does in response to what we're asking? When we praise, does it change the atmosphere that we're in? When we worship God, it, does it just, does it feel like it brings down heaven to where we're at? I mean, he's already here. You, you hear me? He's already with us. We, 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 we'll sing songs sometimes or we'll say, we're inviting you here, Holy Spirit. That's more us saying, we're recognizing you're already here. <laughs> we're using words that sound like we're inviting you, but really you're already here and we're recognizing that right now. Right? But I love that he does this unexpected. And that we can, we believe can shape what he says. This official showed great faith in asking Jesus. And Jesus responded to that faith. Every time you see him respond quickly and, and healing somebody and, and telling them, um, get up, take your mat and walk. 
It was quick. When he, when he said it was about faith, it was just a quick response. He didn't go into questions. He didn't go into stories. He said, go, your son will live, right? Um, this official showed great faith in bypassing what he said to the crowd and just still asking him, I know you can do something, Jesus. And unless you come, I don't know anything can, can happen. You got to see that this is the second miracle. So he's the first person to see healing from Jesus in a way that is considered a miracle. So how did he know that? Unless the spirit would tell him. Right? You know, there's firsts that we remember, right? Different firsts, you know, whoever scaled uh, Mount Everest or, or K2, those huge mountains. Crazy people. I'm, I'm just saying. I, I, lo- I love you, Gary. And I love hiking and all of that. But, but that, that's like on the crazy level where there's people that have died and they're still there because it's too dangerous to get them back. You know what I'm saying? And they actually have instructions on how to get to the, the top. You turn at this guy's body. How morbid is that, right? I don't even know how I got on that track. But, but this man's faith led him to Jesus. He, he braved the crowds. He did all of that. And according to his faith, his son was healed. Not knowing if Jesus could heal. Not knowing that, well, I mean, I know there's crowds around him. I know there's a lot of talk about him. But the fact that he, he could heal had not come out. It was not like there's newspapers going, Jesus is going to heal someone today. He just knew Jesus was something that he needed to see his son better. We see Jesus choose to heal others in accordance to their faith. Or in the case of faith um, of their father, like with this man. There are other times that Jesus heals, but the great faith seems to, to move Jesus to do more. And when Jesus heals the 10 lepers, you know that story? There's 10 lepers and they come and they're like, Jesus, son of God, have mercy on us. And they're yelling from a long distance like, hey, we can't come in there, but, but we know you can help us. Jesus says out to them, you know, you're healed. Go and show yourselves to the, uh, the priests. Go, your faith has made you well. And he sends them away, sends them to go um, to, to be seen. And when, when he discovers that he has been cleansed, there's one of those ten that goes back to Jesus and throws himself at his feet. And he's, he's praising God because he's been cleansed and healed and he's a Samaritan man. And Jesus is like, where are the other nine? And they say that the other nine were, were, were Jewish men of Jewish descent. And, and this one, that Samaritan, that the Samaritans were, yeah, they avoided the Samaritans. They would go around the Samaritans to get to the other side of their land because they didn't want to bump into a Samaritan. And he's like, what? This is the only one that has the faith to come back? He says, go, your faith has made you well. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've wondered about the other nine. What happened to the other nine? That, that would be a Christian movie I'd like to see. <laughs> what happened in their lives? Were they, were they not really healed? 
I, th- I think they were. I believe that they were healed physically. The thing is, is that Jesus did not just come ailments. He came to seek and save the lost. This life is about a breath, is but a breath, and, it, it, and to just come and heal our physical nature would have the briefest of relief in our lives. Yes, he does that, and he does bring that briefest of relief, but the, the eternal is what he's coming for. He's coming for the kingdom, the kingdom, right? We are called the church, but we're also the kingdom, right? He came to seek and save the lost. We have an illness, and because of that illness, we have been quarantined away from God. You know what that illness is, right? Sin. Now, Jesus came to heal us from our illness of sin, and shame so that we could not only feel better for a moment but to be saved for an eternity. Which was better? Get up, take your mat and walk. Or later, when he said, go, your sins are forgiven. I mean, they were both great. (laughs) Come on, let's be honest. But that eternal part, that's going to matter so much more. Because we will all pass. But is your life going to be one that's, that's on the mountain, buried by snow, buried by shame, buried by sin, Or are you going to be somebody along the path that people after you are going to take directions from your life? Morbid as that may sound, if your life is a testament to what God has done, you will be on the path. You will be one that that people go, hey, he did this. She did that. I want to go that way. And it matters that this, um, this official was first. He was a first, right? But I'm, I'm wondering what kind of moniker the last is going to get, right? That last one to come to the Lord, the last one on the way. We'll get to meet him or her, Right? At least in my imagination. I, I, I love the idea of that. Well, put your stuff aside here, right? Getting all serious, right? Jeremy's getting serious this morning. It's a good kind of serious, though. Your eternity matters to God. You matter to God. Not just the physical though it's part of you. It's the spiritual that's going to go on. Those of you that have those physical ailments that really aren't going away, aren't having the miraculous happen, 
we recognize that there's going to be a day when we're going to get a glorified body with which we can glorify the Lord even more. Amen? So right now, what matters most is where is your eternity going? What is your trajectory? What is your path? Are you following behind those spiritual giants and greats that have gone before and, and you're turning where they turn and you're, you're saying, wow, I, I love reading about these, these fathers and mothers of the faith. Or, or maybe you're, you're, you're looking to your family, those that have gone before you. Or maybe you just have some friends that have already gone to be with the Lord that you have listened to and you've followed. Believing is, is, is believing now. It's not something you did years ago. It's not something you're going to do, oh, I'll do that later. But it's something now. Believe, be, become. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity to worship you, to praise you, to, to lift up songs to you. We, we thank you for the opportunity to fellowship with other believers, to be in the church, even in the walls of this building, to be in the church with other people. God, we believe that what we say can matter for eternity. The things that we speak into eternity can happen. Good things, bad things, it doesn't matter. But God, help us to say the things that are good, that are right, that are true, to speak your truth into other people's lives, to speak those things into eternity, not the bad, the ugly, or the untrue. Help us, Lord, to believe right now, right here and right now. And if, if you're in this room and, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you need one. And I'm going to give you an opportunity. I know, there, you know there's a lot of us in here that believe and we'll believe with you. We'll speak eternity into your life. We'll speak light and truth into your life. And we'll celebrate with you. But if you, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, but you want one, I, I just want to invite you to, to lift your head, lift your hand so I can see you. And we'll pray together right now. If that's you. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity. Um, for all of us here that that are uh, that believe and we follow you, God, help us to continue in our belief, to walk in our belief, to believe each and every day that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and that we cannot come to God, we cannot be before God with our with that illness of sin any longer. And we lay that aside as we take up you more and more. We lay aside those little things that maybe we haven't laid aside yet. God, help us to continue in our belief. Fill up our belief. Move us in our belief. Cause us to say things that will, that will speak to an eternity. And that will speak to the heart of God. We praise you. We thank you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. And everyone said, Amen.
You got something, Dennis? Okay, come on up. I love you guys a lot. The Davenports are suffering beyond belief at this point in time. My prayer is that we love them. And please, please, please be sensitive to the Holy Spirit when you say anything. The world does not make sense right now. Clichés are meaningless. And I don't mean to say anything other than Jeremy said it earlier today. Our words really, really, really matter. I know some of you cannot understand the pain right now. You can sympathize, but you cannot understand it. It goes beyond the human comprehension. I'm sorry. We lost a daughter 20-some years ago. And you cannot understand the pain unless you've been there. That's why this is so hard for me. So please, please, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. The best thing we can do is say nothing other than, God, we love you. Be there, be there. Shine shoes and say nothing. I mean that, seriously. Wash a car, say nothing. I'm sorry, this, yeah, all I'm asking is please be very sensitive. That's all I'm asking. Um, I love this phrase, breathing space. Uh, it was a, a, a phrase coined by a, um, a bishop. Uh, a bishop in New York after 9-11. And he said one of the things that Christians have a real hard time with is breathing space. And that breathing space is, we have an awkward relationship with silence. And we have a hard time being silent when someone's hurting. But sometimes the best possible gift we can give is just to be there. Amen? Love you for sharing that. Thank you. Bless you all. It's, it's a hard time in, in the family when we lose someone, especially somebody young. But understand that God is not surprised by this. God has a purpose in this. Nathan gave his life to the Lord 11 days before he died at 20 years old. And I'm just praying that he's one that's going to be pointing somebody on the way on that trail. Yeah? So it, it's not just a hard time, but it's a glorious time, is it not? Let's speak life into this. Let's speak truth into this, and let's speak something that will last for an eternity into their lives. And that might be silence. Okay? Amen. God bless you. Go fellowship, hang out, and spend some time.